You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 395. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 395. You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? Without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, Amy E. Smith. Well, hello, pod people. Amy here. I am so thrilled to bring you another expert who is going to be speaking to the topic of anxiety that we've been covering off for the last two episodes. This will be the final installment around this particular topic. And then next week, we're going to jump into a series all around boundaries. So you're definitely going to want to stay tuned for that. But let me tell you a little bit about this incredible woman who is going to share with you a tool that is called Emotional Freedom Technique, commonly called EFT, or also referred to sometimes as tapping. It's something that I'm actually certified in as well, but I wanted to get somebody's take on this concept, on this modality, who uses it exclusively in their work. So I'm going to share with you this awesome interview with Shana Gadow. She is a wild woman activator and healer. She helps women shed perfectionism. Hello, self-sacrifice, self-doubt, and limiting beliefs. So basically, all the shit that we talk about on this show so that they can awaken their magnificence, embrace their authentic truth, and be guided by their own sacred heart and intuition. It is her sole mission for all women to remember the truth about who they really are and fully embody the version of themselves who is confident, joyful, empowered, free, and wildly self-loving. So Sheena talks a lot about self-love in her corner of the internet, and she's going to share with us some really, really cool ways that we can use tapping as a modality to curb anxiety. And she's got some awesome stuff up her sleeve, so I'm excited to share this with you. Before I let you loose on this interview, I did want to mention another freebie that you probably want to get your hands on if you do struggle with perfectionism and people-pleasing and caring way too much about what other people think, and you've gotten to a place where you just can't keep doing it anymore. And if that is you, if you cannot keep waking up day after day after day, feeling like you are not enough, feeling like there's something uniquely broken or uniquely wrong with you, please go check out the free masterclass that I have. You can very easily access it by going to thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop, and it will show you the next available showing. So have a watch through that. And then I chronicle in that workshop all of the the tools and tactics that I think are imperative in order to get you to that place where you genuinely believe that you are enough and start speaking up for yourself and let go of that people-pleasing and all of that stuff that really keeps us playing small. So in that workshop at the very, very end, if you are interested in working with me more in depth and you want to hear about my signature program, which is Deep Down and Dirty, and if it's the right fit for you, you will see an opportunity to book a call with a member of my team. 
And your first item of business, though, is to have a watch through that workshop. You can also check out more information about Deep Down and Dirty over on my website. The students that I work with in Deep Down and Dirty obviously have a bevy of different backgrounds and things that they're up against, but here's what I usually see happen. I see that people want to make some sort of change in their career, or they really need to figure something out in their personal relationship with their their partner, their intimate connections, or they want to start a new business and they can't seem to get out of their own way, or they are constantly putting themselves on the back burner. There's usually an area of their life where it hurts the most. And then when we look beyond that, it always comes down to some sort of deep-seated belief around, I am not enough. I am not worthy. I am not deserving of having the life that I want. And you'll hear me talk about this with Shana. When you have a deep-seated belief like that, that is residing in the subconscious mind, that is going to win every fucking time. So it doesn't matter how much you logically know what you need to do in your relationship or how much you rationally understand about starting your own business. If you don't believe in your core that you are worthy of having that or that you are enough just as you are, you will continue to self-sabotage. It's a concept that we call cognitive dissonance, where there's a disconnect between what you want to believe and what you rationally know and what's residing in that subconscious part of the mind. So I do talk about that a lot more in depth in that workshop, so be sure to have a watch through that. And again, you'll have that opportunity to book a call to talk to a member of my team if you want to see if Deep Down and Dirty is exactly the ass-kicking that you might need at this stage of the game. We also incorporate in Deep Down and Dirty lots of hypnosis. We actually do EFT and tapping as well. So there are a myriad of different tactics that we use specifically to rewire the brain and change that messaging in the subconscious. So I'll leave it at that. You can have the watch through the workshop for a little bit more on that. And without further ado, here is my interview with the lovely Shana. Shana, hi, how are you? Good. Hi, I'm doing great. I cannot wait to talk to you. We have been doing a series on anxiety and what's so curious to me, you know, we, I've shared how it's shown up for me in my life. We had a guest expert last week talking about a concept called depersonalization. That's sort of a newer concept with uh, anxiety symptoms. And now we're going to be talking to you about working with emotional freedom technique and matrix healing. So this is sounding so excited. It's so exciting to me. I want to ask you specifically about your history with anxiety, because I know you've mentioned quite openly that that was something that you struggled with for your entire life. And so walk us through a little bit of what that looked like for you. Maybe what the, if, if there were root causes and, and how things shifted for you. Yeah, I think the root cause I can now look back and see it is my dad died when I was 10. And when that happened, something shifted in me that I, I created in myself a deep fear of death. 
pretty much. Wow. And so I started to experience anxiety and my anxiety was very much connected to my body. So it, it manifested in me being hyper aware of my body and fearing that things were wrong with my body really. And so, Oh, wow. As a kid, I remember going to sleep at night feeling like I couldn't quite breathe and being afraid if I fell asleep, maybe I wouldn't wake up in the morning. I had, it was almost like it was hypochondriac, really. I, I had a, like, I would get a spider bite and be get into a total panic of like, that must've been the daddy long legs that had an abnormally large mouth because I've heard they're the most poisonous and I know it's going to kill me. And I just go into this spiral of fear. Wow. And that, it just continued to expand and it got in, there's points in my life where it got really debilitating, where I started to have a lot of chest pain. So mine really did manifest physically. And so I'd have a lot of chest pain in my early twenties. I got, I think I've had like three or four EKGs cause I swear I was dying. One of them was in Mexico and I was up all night with wow. chest pain and going in through these like anxiety spirals of I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And I, this was <laughs> with my fiance who had just proposed to me and I was meeting his family for the first time in their house in Mexico. And in the morning we wake him up and I'm like, you have to take me to urgent care. I think that I am dying. They, they thought I was crazy. But at the time, like I thought it was real, it was real in my body. And I was in such a state of panic about it. And of course, every time there was nothing wrong with my heart, that is sort of in a nutshell, how I experienced anxiety. And there's lots of other examples I can give you, but it was very much body oriented. I was very afraid of any of the sensations in my body and it caused me a ton of anxiety. Another piece of that was um, flying. I didn't fly for eight years because I was so anxious of being up in the air. Just it's unnatural. And I was sure I was going to die if I got into a plane. Oh my gosh. I can completely relate to that. In fact, tapping is what cured my fear of flying. Mm -hmm. And it it was really curious. So when I learned, when I went through my EFT training, which we're going to talk more about what that acronym even means, but uh, the example that they were doing in class was around fear of flying. Mm -hmm. So I'm just following along, learning the procedure, like learning how to do it. And then I had like a business trip later on that I wasn't, wasn't even registering to me. And so I had like my Xanax and I had my whiskey and all the stuff I was ready to like (laughs) medicate my, the shit out of myself. And I watched myself like be just completely fine. Mm-hmm. And it dawned on me. I was like, oh shit, that's because I did that tapping sequence around fear of flying. Oh my God. So I can certainly relate to the the fear of flying, which, which is interesting because I didn't used to have that. It started right around 2001 when the trade centers were, mm-hmm. were mm-hmm. attacked and with 9-11. And that's when I developed this new fear around it. So that's really curious. So did you have also obsessive thoughts about your body? Like, were you, would you go into a whole 
anxious spiral around, I bet it's this type of a spider, or I bet it has this type of teeth, or I bet it has. So yeah, the spider piece was, yes, it must be that like freak daddy long legs, or I would go into spirals of trying to figure out what it was. So say I had a pain in my side and be like, what can that be? Is that where my, is that where my kidneys is? Is this kidney disease or my kidneys going to fail? And then what happens when that happens? And well, I have to be on like some sort of kidney support my whole life. You go into those spirals, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so it was about anything. I mean, I got to a point where I tried I was very disconnected from my body. It was the only way that I could manage really is to try to disassociate from my body as much as possible. Did you have support in your family or did, was everybody else thinking, we don't have any idea what you're dealing with either, or was there any name for it? Or did you just think there was something wrong? Yeah. With my family and the people in my life, it was more of uh, it's all in your head. It's just all in Mm -hmm. your head. And that was so frustrating because yes, it was in my head, but it was also a physical reality for me. And so that it wasn't very helpful to hear that. I didn't have a lot of tools. I didn't have like, oh, this is anxiety and this is what we can do to help it. It was just change your thinking, stop focusing on it and you'll be fine. And people who suffer from anxiety, that it's not so easy to just do that. Well, the way I would always describe it is I would say you're trying to be strong with the same thing that's weak. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're having this, this breakdown of cognitive ability or capacity, or, you know, things aren't firing the way they need to fire and you're saying, but do that better, but be strong with that. You're like, it's not fucking strong. To begin with. <laughs> so if I yeah. could, if it's that easy, I would just do it, but it's not right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then what shifted for you? Because it sounds like over the last six years or so, it hasn't really ailed you at all. There were several things that I did to help me. And it honestly wasn't even intentional. It wasn't like I'm going to rid myself of anxiety because I'd sort of been in a place where I just, I guess, accepted that anxiety was a part of my life and I was going to feel it on a regular basis. Um, I found yoga and doing yoga allowed me to reconnect to my body in a really healthy way. It allowed me to listen to my body. It allowed me to be with my body. And that was really, really helpful. Um, I stopped doing, taking any, in eating any sort of sugar. So I had zero sugar. And this is something that's so interesting that I never knew before um, that the things that we eat impact not just our body, but it impacts our moods. It impacts our brain. It impacts the way that we feel. And I found when I took sugar out, I didn't have as much anxiety. Yeah. And so that was really helpful for me meditation was also really helpful for me and then tapping using tapping and matrix work has really helped me to heal at a deeper level and then also tapping in the moment when it does come up sometimes still it's a quick way to sort of release it and not get stuck in the spiral of it that's so interesting to me about the sugar in particular, I, this is unbelievably frustrating that it wasn't until I went through 
my hypnosis training, did I ever hear about how awful caffeine is for your anxiety? Mm-hmm. I, I wish that when I originally went to my family practice doctor 20 plus years ago, that she would have said, okay, let's talk about what are you consuming? Do you have caffeine? Do you have an abundance of sugar? It just like, let's start with some of those basic things and, and look at it from more of a holistic standpoint, instead of like, let's just treat these symptoms, you know, and layer medication. Right. Right. Let's just medicate it. True. Yeah. I haven't caffeine. I took caffeine out years ago also. And that also, it really helped. And those two things, it's like, oh, I thought there was no way I could ever give up caffeine. I mean, I thought for sure, but when I actually tried it, the difference of how I felt was significant and I'm sure sugar would be the same. So let's talk about, okay, so you said tapping. Let's talk about what that actually is. So it's emotional freedom technique or EFT, mm-hmm. and that's the same mm-hmm. thing as tapping. It's just sort of mm-hmm. the, the common name, right? So talk a little bit about what it is and how it works. Let me first talk about like where it came from. Okay. And so there was a, a guy na- in the 80s named Roger Callahan. And he is a psychiatrist. And he was working with this woman named Mary. Mm-hmm. And Mary had a... Have you heard this story yes. before? Uh-huh. Yeah. And so she had um, a real fear of water, a phobia of water. And he had been working with her for a year and a half. And he tried all kinds of things like systematic desensitization and hypnosis and cognitive behavioral therapy and a whole litany of things. And none of it seemed to help her after a year and a half, she still really struggled with it. And then one day she said she was in his office and complaining of a stomach ache. And he was familiar with acupuncture in Chinese medicine enough to know that the part right under your eye, the point right under your eye is connected to the stomach. And so he just had her tapping on this point under her eye and to see if it would relieve her stomach ache. And it did. But miraculously, she also noticed at the same time while she was tapping under her eye that she wasn't feeling as fearful as water. And so she got so excited that she ran outside into Callahan's backyard. He had a home office where he had a pool and he started, she started splashing the water all over her face. And that little bit of tapping under her eye had rid her of her anxiety. Yeah. Which is, um, it's amazing. And so Callahan created this whole system called TFT, Mm -hmm. which is thought field therapy to utilize tapping. And then in the 90s, Gary Craig came around and he was a student of Callahan's and he learned how to sort of simplify Callahan's approach to it. And he, Gary Craig created tapping. Tapping, the idea of tapping is that we are connecting to certain points on our body that are part of the meridian system, which is adapted from Chinese medicine. The meridian system you can think of as like an energetic highway through Mm -hmm. our body. And it's how our energy flows through our body. And there's certain points along our body that we can connect to that energy. And with tapping, the idea is when we experience traumas, when we get brought into fight, flight, or freeze, and particularly freeze, that 
energy gets stuck. We end up, when we get into that freeze response, that trauma gets stuck in our system. And so our energetic highway gets jammed up. And when our energetic highway gets jammed up, then that's when we experience the dis-ease. That's when we experience anxiety and pain and all of those things. So tapping allows us through the use of tapping on these specific points around, along our body, while we speak to whatever the thing is that is causing us a lot of intense emotions, it's, it's allows us to connect to the part of our brain that the amygdala, which is responsible for our stress response and the fight, flight, freeze to say, okay, this thing's not a trigger anymore. This thing is not something that we have to activate that stress response for. We can let it go. Oh, I love that description. I, I heard it described when I learned tapping, I heard it described as, you know, if you thought of a, a television and you know that there's electricity and that there's currents running through it and it creates that, but you don't really see the electrical currents. But if you took off the back of the television and you started sticking a screwdriver in over here or over there, it might create a disruption, right? And create sort of like a bzzz or a static look on the front of the television. So that would then be like the symptom. And the screwdriver is like us experiencing all of these bits of trauma. But if mm -hmm. we go in there and rectify those little blips, those little disconnections of the electrical current, then we all of a sudden have this magical, perfect picture again. So like treating any sort of disruption in the, the energy field, so to speak. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I, can, I can get on board. Cause I was like, what is this witchy stuff? What is this? Cause I always want to know the science behind it. Yeah. But you know, it, this was the first time that I had ever heard of it being adapted from Chinese medicine, which obviously has been used for centuries. Thousands of years. Yeah. 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 So fascinating. So then you also are trained in something called matrix healing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And talk to me just about the difference between, between those two techniques. Matrix healing is also an adaptation of EFT. And in my opinion and experience, it gives us an even deeper level of healing. And so if you think of tapping sort of like you just talk, I, I like to think of tapping as in, I use the analogy of a radio. So if you think mm. of tapping as used to take the emotional intensity out of your body of whatever it is you're experiencing. So if say you're experiencing a lot of anxiety and the radio station is at a 10 and so it's blaring and it's all over the place and you're feeling really overwhelmed by it, tapping allows you to turn the intensity down. So you turn it to a zero. Okay. But the memory is still there. The core wound is still there. And you can get to those through tapping. But I find with matrix healing, we get to it in such in a faster way and in a much more gentler way. Okay. And so with matrix re 
with matrix healing, it's also called re-imprinting, but I use the term matrix healing. We are allowed to go, it, it helps us access those memories and to repair them. So, and it's a quantum healing at the deepest level where we get to go into the root wounds into those core beliefs that were created from those room, those wounds and connect to aspects of ourselves, younger parts of ourselves that are still in need of support and healing. And so we, we allow them to experience whatever they need to do to experience to heal. So if they need to say things that they were never able to say in those when they were experiencing that original wound, that original trauma, if they need to be resourced, if they want to change the picture in any way to help them create a new, empowering, um, infirming belief, then we allow them to do that. So it's really dropping us into the subconscious and connecting to those images and pictures of where those wounds originated. And so if you think of tapping as turning down the volume, I think of matrix as changing the station altogether. And so you're able to change the beliefs. And when you change those core beliefs, you're able to change your point of attraction. And I know that Amy, you talk a lot about the importance of being able to shift those negative core beliefs and when we have to be a vibrational match to the things that we say that we want. And so our subconscious and our conscious mind have to be congruent in order to create that change. And with matrix healing, we are allowed, it gives us access to, to connect into the deep subconscious things that we don't know in our conscious mind are there and are affecting us. And so it's a way to very gently and effectively repair those deep wounds Wow! in a really profound way. And it uses tapping. It uses tapping as part of the process of matrix healing is to incorporate tapping into the process. Okay. It, it sounds actually a lot like hypnosis. Mm -hmm. It sounds like hypnosis with, with tapping incorporated mm -hmm. in the, the school that I was trained under, they talked about things, all different modalities being considered a hypnotic modality, mm -hmm. if it's something that helps you change a belief. Mm -hmm. So under that sort of broad definition, religion would be a hypnotic modality, like mm -hmm. praying mm -hmm. or, or something like matrix healing, even coaching. Anytime that you're actually starting to shift a belief process, they would kind of put it under this umbrella of a hypnotic modality. So that's super curious to me. There's a, a form of hypnosis that we call timeline therapy, mm -hmm. where you kind of float up above the timeline of your life and you're able to access these various times when there might've been trauma. And it, you have to be very careful with it though, to not embody and become that version of yourself. And that's the same with matrix healing. And that's why with tapping, I think tapping is really powerful when you're in intense feelings and you want to get to a place of calm and peace. Um, you can work on limiting beliefs. You can work on traumatic events and tapping. But the idea of tapping is we have to be in the intensity of the experience while you're tapping to create the change, to be able to let your body know this thing that feels really intense, 
doesn't have to be intense anymore. And so it can be triggering to work in, in the really big traumas with tapping, but similar, it sounds like to hypnosis matrix healing, we're connecting to these deep pain points, these, these traumas and these wounds, but we are disassociated from that, that younger self who has experienced that trauma. So that's why it's a really gentle way to do it because you're not stepping into that experience and you're not having to relive the trauma to do the healing. Yes. And so it's really, it's more accessible. It's not so scary to, to do it that way. Right. I don't think we have to re-traumatize ourselves to heal. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you said that because there are some modalities that have you go into that trauma state and that can be incredibly detrimental to, to healing. So glad to hear that matrix doesn't do that for clarity. Basically what, what we're saying is it's almost like a voyeuristic experience. I, I think of it always like a Christmas Carol when Scrooge goes back and is able to see who he was yeah. at a younger age, you know, and he's kind of looking through the window and it's like you look through that window and you create a different reality, something that's much more helpful to your healing now. So that's what we're talking about. And there are some modalities specifically, what is it early life regression or something like that, where they have you go back to actually being five years old. Like you are mm -hmm. in your body experiencing whatever you experienced. And that is not something we touch at all <laughs> in these sorts of modalities. <laughs> um, but I'm super curious just talking about disassociation and association. I'm really curious about this for you, especially because you said that your anxiety manifested so much with your physical body. And I'm noticing this a lot for myself. So whenever I dream, or if I'm doing hypnosis, if I'm doing a guided meditation or anything like that, and I'm looking at a picture in my mind, I am always disassociated. I see it like a movie screen. I very, very rarely am I actually in the visualization looking out of my own eyeballs. I think I am always also disassociated. I don't think I'm, it takes a lot of effort. I have to put a lot of concentration and intention if I want to try to see it through my own eyeballs. Yes. No, I'm usually looking from the outside in. Yes. Yes. Like you're, like you're watching a movie, like watching yourself right. on a movie. Yeah. Yep, yep. So I had heard that from a hypno, uh, hypnotherapist who I worked with, that that had a lot to do with how connected you are with your own body. The more connected you are with your own body, the more associated you'll be in dreams, in visualizations where you feel like you're an actual participant. Versus if you're not as connected with your body that you would see things a little more disassociated, like a movie screen, which makes a lot of sense for me because I have a lot of religious trauma that had a lot of shame wrapped up in the body. So I was curious if perhaps that shifted at all for you. Yeah, that's interesting because I would, I would think that I, I feel like I am definitely in my body now, but no, that hasn't shifted. Yeah. So I have not heard that before. It's but, so interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. You then are able to determine based off of if someone's, whatever somebody's coming to work with you on, if it's something that is 
like a deep seated belief issue, which for most of us, it is Mm -hmm. right. Spoiler alert. So you would do matrix healing more for resolving specific traumatic events and then symptomatically possibly do EFT or tapping if they had. Yeah. So in my sessions, I always do both. Oh, I would, I guess I wouldn't say always, but how a a session works with me is that you come in with whatever's occurring in your life now, what are the symptoms in your life now? So if you have anxiety, you would come in and be like, how is this anxiety manifesting in your life right now? How is it a challenge? What is, how is it affecting you? And we would tap on that because you would think that the, the emotional intensity of that is probably high in the moment. So we want to bring that down first. And so we tap to just get you to a place of feeling more calm and through tapping it's also a great way to sort of shift your perception of it a little bit which takes you out of the intensity of the experience in that moment and so once we get you to a place of feeling more calm maybe seeing from a bit of a bigger picture whatever is happening in your life then we'd be like all right now let's explore the root of where this anxiety comes from. And that's when we would drop into matrix work and do the more in-depth healing work around it. So I'm, I'm curious about this for my own self. Because <laughs> uh, I, I shared a couple of episodes ago how I don't really remember a time when I didn't have anxiety. Mm-hmm. And now I'm I feel like I very much have it under control, but if I tried to look back at the genesis of it, I don't think I could find that. I, I speculate, I've always speculated that it was because I consumed way too many chemicals in the eighties <laughs> <laughs> with like heat up meals and microwave, you know, just too much chemical influence. But with, with somebody like that, would you look at just random incidents that could have been a little bit traumatic? Yeah. So here's the beauty of this work. And I don't know if this is true for you when you do hypnosis work is people do come to me and they're like, what if I don't have a memory? What if I don't know? And the beauty of it is that it's not, it doesn't have to be conscious. We're dropping into the subconscious and I have never had somebody not have something pop up where they're like, Oh, well, this actually seems pretty insignificant. Like maybe it was you are five and you're in the bathroom and you're calling for your mom and she doesn't come and you get really scared. What if she's not home? What if she Mm -hmm. walked out and I'm all alone? And that it was the like genesis of your anxiety was that fear that you were all alone in that moment. So we, when we can drop into the subconscious, I mean, it's amazing to see what comes up, what pops up that people, I mean, I have clients who it starts in womb. Yeah. And so, and they're able to access that because all of our memory really, we're never let it go. It's still there inside of us, in our subconscious, in our energetic system. We just don't always have conscious awareness of it. But when you drop into this work, we can access any of it. 
really. It's, it's fascinating to me how much the subconscious it just rules our entire existence. Mm-hmm. And even if we think we break down that word, it's just sub meaning beneath, beneath the consciousness. So we mm-hmm. are operating with all this logic and reason and rationale and the conscious mind, not realizing that beneath that consciousness is all of our, you know, are all of the beliefs are our, our fight, fight, freeze, fawn responses, all of that. So, okay. Mm-hmm. So let's say somebody comes to work with you and they have crippling anxiety and let's say it's really manifest manifesting as social anxiety. It's interfering with them wanting to go out and get a new job or date or anything like that, that involves a social situation. Mm-hmm. What would you do almost diagnostically to figure out where to start with somebody who's experiencing anxiety like that? We always start, like I said, with what is present right now. So it would be asking questions around, like I mentioned before, how is this showing up in your life right now? What, how is this anxiety affecting you in this moment in right now? And that's where we would start. And so if they were like, well, I really want a new to, to apply to this new job, but I'm terrified of the interview process and I'm terrified of putting myself out there like that, then that's where we would start. And we would start with tapping and just releasing that fear that is there in that moment and helping them to shift their perception around that and their perspective around that to have um, a greater openness to taking that risk to put themselves out there. And once we did that and sort of brought that fear down a bit, we would then start to be like, okay, well, where did that where did this first originate from? Where did that social anxiety first come from? And that's when we would drop into the matrix work and it would, could be like, oh, well, you know, I, I'll tell you actually an example from myself. Okay. Well, I was in fourth grade and it was Halloween and we all had to stand up and say what we were for Halloween. And I was a rock star. And so I had like the leather jacket on and the crimped hair and the colored hair. And I stood up and said, I'm a whore. (laughs) Cause I didn't know what that (laughs) word was. And I thought that it was, I don't know why I thought it was the same thing as like a punk rocker. And (laughs) (laughs) everybody I mean the parent volunteers the teachers is like uh (laughs) and all the kids were like did she just say that and that is like such like okay that could be a root of sure social anxiety like oh my god that was terrifying and then I got teased and I said the wrong thing and how stupid am I I can't believe I said that and that's where those beliefs connect you right it's in those deeper wounds that like that's not a big t trauma that's not a huge trauma but even in these little things when we're young we have to make meaning of them and we often make meaning of them by saying something about ourselves. So in that moment, it's like, uh, how I'm so stupid. I can't, I never say the right thing. I, 
Um, people are going to make fun of me. People are going to judge me. Right. And so then that becomes the root belief systems in which we operate, which then can manifest as an adult of like, I can't be in social situations because I'm going to say the wrong thing. People are going to judge me. I never get it right. I'm really dumb, you know, like that. And so then it affects all aspects of our life. So that is sort of a long winded way of saying how I would go about working with somebody who had social anxiety. I heard somebody talk about trauma that I thought was so, it, it was so poignant. I think we judge our trauma all the time and we have situations like that where we go, well, it wasn't like I was in, had to fight in a war or it's not like I was held at gunpoint or it's, you know, like we rank Mm -hmm. what we think warrants a trauma response. And I cannot remember where I heard it, but somebody was describing and saying trauma is directly related to the impact of the experience of the person who lived it. So Mm -hmm. if it impacted you in such a severe way that you now are afraid to be around other people, or you no longer trust yourself, or you don't believe in yourself, if there has been a ramification from something you experienced, that is a traumatic event. So whether or not we feel comfortable labeling it as such, yeah, doesn't mean that it hasn't affected us greatly. And I've had to really deal with that with religious trauma because mm-hmm. my parents were married up until the time that my father passed away. I was never without love. I was never without just a great supportive family structure. So I discounted a lot of the things that I was told that really have imprinted themselves into my energetic system. Right. And and I see the I see the way that it manifests, and it you, you can't escape it. So you might as well just call it <laughs> call it now. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's why the, the first time that I heard that the terms of big T, little T was in my tapping training. Yeah, so like they're both really impactful. It doesn't have to be yeah going to war. That is a huge trauma or sexual abuse or any sort of physical abuse. Those are huge traumas, but even these tiny things that imprint and that create, that have us creating these negative beliefs about ourselves or about the world, those are traumas too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you can't really address it until you've made peace that it actually was a trauma. And, and that process of coming to terms with that and saying, oh, wow, that was a traumatic experience as a child, or that was legitimate abuse with that person that I was dating. And it, once we stop dismissing it, then we can start healing it. But everybody's different of when they get to that point of when they're actually able to look at it and go, okay, I need to give this more credence. And I'm sure you see this too, where I think there's this thought process of if I actually address it and acknowledge it for what it is, I'm going to fall apart and I'm not going to be able to survive it. Yep. Yep. And that was definitely true for me too. I, for a long time, it's like, if I allow myself to look at this stuff, I am just going to 
like turn into a messy puddle and I'm never going to be able to bring myself out of it. It feels so scary sometimes to acknowledge that and to look at it. And yet if we don't, it's still there. It's still there. It comes out in other ways. It comes out as addictions or in ailments or in disease or anxiety. Like it's, it's, I mean, it's still manifesting. It's still affecting your life. It's just, you're not looking at it. You're not associating those symptoms with what that, what that, what the actual reason behind it is. Yeah. That's right. And I think, you know, it's about pinpointing when you are ready, actually looking at it, because what we don't realize that the benefit is, is that if you really do the work to heal it, you move beyond it. So not only do you not have to have all of the symptoms anymore, but you're, you're healed from that experience. That doesn't necessarily mean you're not ever going to be triggered again, or things aren't going to come up, but it's not, you're not overworking or over drinking or doing something to escape something that you're not wanting to look at. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I have a question then about if somebody is out out in the world doing their life, they're maybe they're grocery shopping or they're at work or they're in, in more of a, let's say a non-private situation and they get a surge of anxiety. Is there something that they could do when they, they don't necessarily have the time to start tapping on all of these energy meridians and doing a sequence? Tell me your secrets. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I have a really good one and I'll try to describe this in a way that makes sense because you can't see me, but on the side of our fingers, right on the side of the nail beds are little points, they're little meridian points. And so if you are in the grocery store or you're anywhere in public where you can't start tapping all over your body, I mean, you could if you wanted to, and you really don't care what people think of you, but there's these side of your fingers right on the nail bed of your pointer, your middle, your ring finger and your pinky finger, you can tap on them with your thumb. And you can do this very gently and just in your head, like say you're really anxious, you like all this anxiety, all of this anxiety, my racing heart, my sweaty palms, all of this anxiety, all of this anxiety, and you can keep tapping these points on your finger. And just doing that will start to bring the intensity of that anxiety down. It's a very simple way to tap and just, and you can just say it in your head because that part of tapping is that you need to speak to what you are experiencing. It's not just tapping on the points, but speaking to what you're experiencing, sort of saying in your head, what you are feeling while you tap on these points. Cool. Oh my God. And so does it matter if you do it with both hands or just one hand? It doesn't matter. You can do it with one hand. You can do it with both. It doesn't matter. Okay. You just tap. Okay. So we should probably talk about then what a sequence of tapping actually looks like. Like, is it just this free for all of tapping on the meridians or you've talked about, you know, speaking at the same time for people who are totally unfamiliar, what would the process look like? And we don't necessarily have to take them through it, but just you start with this, then you go here, then you go here kind of thing. So you start with a setup statement that is really just speaking to what is it that you are feeling? And then there's about 10, 12 points. I haven't actually 
I don't, I haven't counted them out, but there's about 10 points on your body from your head through your face and down your arms and the side of your hand that you tap and you just sort of follow this sequence. And in all honesty, it doesn't really matter what, if you do it in the perfect sequence, it's just about touching all of these points while you speak to the thing that is you're experiencing in that moment. And it is in that process of tapping on these very specific points on your body while you speak to whatever you are feeling um, that triggers that part of your brain to say, okay, this thing that I'm feeling right now is not a threat. I can let go of the fight, flight, freeze response. And when I, when this thing is happening, I can now be at a place of calm. If it's anxiety, like I can now be at peace. I don't have to continue to have these triggered emotions or symptoms come up. Do you do like an assessment at the very beginning before you even do the setup? Like, do you say like on a scale of one to 10, how strong is your anxiety? Yeah. For my clients, there's a whole intake form to like really get clarity on what is it that's challenging you right now and as specific as you can get. And then when we meet, we discuss that in more details. And then yeah, there's always before we start the tapping, it's called a suds level of like from zero to 10. How big does this feel right now? And the objective of tapping is like, if you're at a 10, the objective is to get you down to a zero, so that that intensity is no longer there in your body. That emotional intensity is no longer there in your body. Awesome. And so because this is something that is very experiential and it's ridiculous to try to explain you tap here and then you tap. So Shana has a freebie for everyone specifically around anxiety. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I created this just for you. Oh, you did? I did. Oh, that's awesome. And so it's a free tapping video um, to release anxiety from your body. And so you can experience what it's like to go. It's maybe 10 minutes. It's not long. It's just like a little taster of what it could be like to do a tapping session with somebody. But honestly, tapping you can do on yourself. You don't need somebody to do it with you. You know, sometimes we don't see the bigger picture. And so having somebody work through it with you can be really helpful and they can help you see what you can't see and to be that mirror for you. But in this video, I'll just lead you through about a 10 minute tapping series to help you release any anxiety that you might be feeling in that moment. Yay. I did not realize that you did that just for us. That is so awesome. That is so awesome. (laughs) So I checked this out earlier today, y'all. So we'll definitely make sure that we put it in the show notes and go have a watch through that. And so that you can start understanding what we're talking about with something that's very experiential. And obviously we're in an auditory medium, but this has been so incredibly helpful. Is there anything that you want to point people towards or where can they learn more about you? Where do you hang out? Definitely check out that video. And then you can find me on my website, which is shanagatto.com. And I'm also going to be launching a new podcast called The Awakened Wild Woman that should be launching this summer. So you can find out more about that on my website and when that's going to be coming out. And 
those are the places, those are the places to find me right now. Cool. Yay. Well, this has been so incredibly helpful and it's so fun to learn about additional tools and modalities that can be helpful, especially having such an influx of stressful situations in our world (laughs) these days. Thank you so much, Shana. And I'm so hoping that our paths cross again in the near future. Me too. Me too. This has been great. Thank you. So much good stuff in there. I'm definitely going to be using that finger tapping method that she explained. And I am also had a watch through her tapping video that she's sharing with us, that free training that you can get simply by going to the link in the show notes. Be sure to grab that. It is definitely worth carving out just 10 minutes to release some of the things that you've been harboring a lot of anxiety around. There are ways to release that. So I'm hoping that you've enjoyed this series and got lots and lots of goodies from LaToya and Shana. And we will be jumping into boundaries next week for a four-parter. And I've got some juicy stuff coming up there. And I hope to see you then. So I'll see you around these parts next week. Here's to loving and living your most badass life.